0: It is scripture time. I love scripture. Jesus does cool stuff. Amen. So we're in this morning, John chapter nine. All right. John chapter nine. And, uh, the story we're looking at this morning is Jesus healing a man who's been born blind. Here, let me I'll tell you what I'm about done with those things, <laughs> uh, so Jesus heals a man. He's in John chapter 9. Let me read it for you. It says, As he went along, he being Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he now can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. What a story. <laughs> what a story, right? And uh, this series has been all about storytelling. Uh, John, fair warning, I'm going, to be a, some, I'm going to be doing some Roman. I'm going to need some room. Uh, so our series has been a bunch of storytelling, right? We've been uh, talking about Soak the City, which is all about how do we bring Jesus to our city? How, how do we soak our city with Jesus, right? And so we've been doing it through prayer, through our prayer initiative, Soak the City, right? Which is what I've been plugging, right? Go get signed up, okay? Okay. But we've also been doing it on Sunday mornings. We've been looking at how Jesus interacts with people in his city, in Jerusalem, and figuring out what that means for us. How do we interact with people the same way Jesus did? Because, you know, Jesus spent most of his ministry just interacting with people, he just met people wherever they were, and he did amazing things. And so this week in our story, Jesus once again finds a person in great need, a man who uh, we find has been born blind. Right. And so the disciples, they come from this this era and this idea that if if there is a physical ailment going on, it's a result of somebody's sin. So they immediately assume that this man who has been who is blind, somebody had to have sinned to make him blind. So their question to Jesus that starts this whole encounter says, well, who sinned to make him blind? And it's kind of a funny question, honestly, because they said, well, is it his parents or was it him? And you have to wonder, it obviously couldn't have been him, right? Because if he's born blind, how do you sin before you're even born, <laughs> right? So, so they're saying, well, in other words, what they're asking really is, what did his parents do to get a kid who can't see? What did they do? And Jesus, sort of picking up on their misguidedness here, Jesus says, look, nobody sinned. This guy is blind so that you could see the glory of God, right? In other words, this guy's blindness is going to be used so that I can show you just how amazing God is. And then what he does next is he spits on the ground, he spits in the dirt, and then he gathers it up and he rubs it in the guy's eye, right? Let's just be honest, that's gross, right? that's gross. I mean, it's Jesus. I get it, but it's kind of gross. All right. Jesus is spit right in the guy's eye. So he rubs it in the guy's eye. and says, all right, go wash in this specific pool. And the guy, okay. Right. He's already let Jesus spit in his eyes. He might as well. Right. So he goes to the pool and he washes and he can see just like that. And so this story is really cool. Right. It's really cool, partly because Jesus has such a wide like, array of being able to create things. Right. We know that Jesus, as God, created all things. Right. But it's really cool when you read the Gospels to see Jesus recreating things. Right. In this case, he literally creates, recreates a man's eyes using his spit and some dirt. Right. And this is just one instance. Like there's other places, uh, if you remember from two weeks ago when he healed the guy, all he did was say, go, you're healed. And the guy was healed right? And Jesus does all this cool stuff. In fact, in the book of John, toward the end of his gospel, John writes, he says, look, if the stuff Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough books for all of it, right? Because Jesus does all these cool things. But the coolest thing in this story is actually not the guy getting healed. That's pretty cool, right? But what's really interesting and what is our focus this morning is what comes after the guy gets healed. What happens after this man encounters Jesus? So he gets healed, and then if you remember, the people in town notice, obviously, right? If one of you were blind, and we prayed for you this morning, and you left having sight, most of town will know about it by the end of the week, right? Partly because we live in a small town, and partly because the rumor mill is super active, right? But somebody's going to know that somebody got their sight back, right? This is, this is exactly what I saw in Cuba, right? With Literally, a guy got his sight back in front of my eyes. So this guy gets his side back, the neighbors are all going, wait a minute, that can't be real. <laughs> that guy was begging for so long, he was sitting on the side of the road, he was a beggar, how can he see now? And so some of them are in such, such disbelief, they go, ah, that's not him, that's just a guy that looks like him, <laughs> right? And he's going, no, no, it's me, it's me, right? So, so Jesus heals a guy, and immediately some neighbors are hearing about this good news that I was blind and now I see, Right? So first it's the neighbors and then the neighbors are so concerned, they take him to the Pharisees, right? Because they're like the nearest thing to an authority. So they take him to the Pharisees and the Pharisees are like, well, what happened? And he says, well, that guy healed me. And their main concern here is that Jesus created because he spit in the dirt and he made mud, right? And according to their law, that broke the Sabbath because he worked on a, on a Saturday. (laughs) The rules are rules, right? So Jesus was working, and they were very angry about that. You remember two weeks ago, we talked about all the crazy rules on the Sabbath. So so the neighbors hear the good news. And then the Pharisees, they're hearing about what Jesus can do, right? That's the next step. And then, then next, it says, then they call the guy's parents in because they still don't believe him. And then his parents hear the good news. And they're like, I don't know what happened. I just know he can see. So... One guy gets healed and all of a sudden there's a whole lineup of people who are hearing the good news that I was blind and now I see. And if you look at this from the, the, the side of the gospel, this, that's really like the whole gospel summarized in one instance, right? I was blind and now I see. I was sick and now I'm healed, right? I was a sinner and now I'm saved, and so, what we find in this is that Jesus, by this healing, creates a bridge to reach a whole bunch of people in the community with the good news. Now, you might think, well, why, why did he need a bridge, right? And the thing is, there are a number of things that separate us from the people around us. Now, think about it this way if you look to your left and to your right, all the people around you, this is a shocking revelation, you ready? All of you are different. I know revealing stuff this morning, right? All of you are different from every other person next to you. And so all of you at some point, if you have made a connection with the person sitting next to you, you have had to build a bridge in some way between who you are and where you're at and who they are and where they're at. Now, especially, especially in marriage, you find that that bridge building is really important. But we do the same thing and we have the same necessity if we are going to share the gospel. When we share the good news, we have to build a bridge. And so we have to think about all the ways that people are different than us. All right. Because there's a lot of ways that people are different. And the more different we are, the bigger the bridge we have to build. Right. And so sometimes it starts really simple and it starts with language. All right. Sometimes we literally speak a different language. You guys know about a third of our community speaks Spanish as their primary language. All right? So sometimes it's a language barrier. Now, sometimes it's not directly a language barrier. It's more of an indirect. It's a generational thing, right? Learning to speak the language, okay? Let me give you a quick example. Does anybody in this room, have show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the word yeet? Okay, look. Like five of you, all of you younger than 35, right? Oh, Tom, you're, man, props to you. Uh, okay, so there is a language barrier. There is a language barrier even between generations, all right? There's a language barrier that happens. So, so we don't even speak the same language. Sometimes we don't have the same religion. Now, sometimes that's because uh, they believe in different things. Maybe they're uh, Hindu or maybe they're Buddhist, uh, but we have a different religion. Sometimes it's just that their religion is atheism. They don't believe anything at all. And so when we have differences in religion, that's one more gap that we have to cover. Then you get to cultural differences. Cultural differences are huge, right? You have to almost think like a missionary, right? Because the culture around you is much different. Usually what we do when it comes to culture is we just complain that the culture is not like us, right? Well, those millennials, right? I hear that all the time. See, you know, you know. So, class. Class is another barrier. The rich, the poor, the in-between, right? That's a barrier we have to overcome because uh, the rich live differently, the poor live differently, the middle class live differently. How do we overcome those gaps? Politics is another thing. I feel like I don't even need to go into why that's a problem, right? Because politics create all kinds of issues. Uh, gender differences, right? If you're married, you know there are differences between how men handle things, how women handle things, right? There's a gap there. And then finally, you come down to the most obvious one, which is you're a stranger, right? When you, if you were to walk out of this church this morning and you walk down the street, nine out of ten people you meet are probably going to be people you don't know, right? Right? So you're not usually going to just walk up to that person and be like, excuse me, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard the good news, right? You're not going to do that. Why? Because you don't know them, right? They don't care what you know about because you are a stranger. (laughs) So why would they care what you know about? It also creates a sort of the unknown, right? We all have sort of this inherent fear of the unknown. So when we don't know someone, we think, well, why would that person, how can I know that that person's going to have what's best for me in mind. How do I know that? Because I don't know them. So we build this giant gap, and it's not intentional. It's just inherent, right? And so on this side, we have Jesus. We have the good news. The thing that, that we know changes your life. And on the other side are the people that need to know about it. Now, at some point in your life, you were here. Maybe even this morning, you were here. But somebody somewhere built a bridge to get you to here. Somebody helped you come to know Jesus because they built a bridge across our chasm, right? Instead of being a stranger, somebody built relationship with you. Somebody spent time with you and poured into your life and spoke into you and encouraged you. And it doesn't even have to be like an intentional, uh, you know, like discipling type thing. Relationship is simple. It's going out to lunch. It's playing disc golf, right? It's doing things that get you to know other people. Willing hands, making relationships, right? And then gender, right? This one is a little more tricky. <laughs> because I think the big thing that we need to have with, between our genders is simply an awareness that we're different that we look at the world differently. I had a, I had a friend this week uh, was posting about uh, some of the things that, uh, some of her experiences as a woman that a man wouldn't necessarily understand. Things like putting your keys in between your fingers when you're going to your parked car at night, just in case, right? I've never had to think about that before, okay? These things are just an awareness of the difference. Politics, how do you bridge politics? That's, it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Right? I take the easy way out. I just don't participate. Right? Instead, I participate in what I'm calling the kingdom. Right? God's stuff. Focusing on the kingdom things. Because kingdom things are eternal. Kingdom things go across party lines. They go across politics. The kingdom of God overarches all of it. Because newsflash, just so you know, your political party, no matter which one you are a part of, does not represent the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is so much bigger and overarching than all of that. The kingdom of God is so much more. And so we bridge that. How do you bridge class stuff, right? If, if you're rich and you're trying to reach the poor, if you're, if you're the poor and you're trying to reach the rich, right? And, and i tell you, this has never set in my mind more than when I went, started going to Uganda. Because in Uganda, they have nothing. I mean, they live on less than a dollar a day, less than a dollar a day. They're lucky to get a dollar a day. And yet, their faith is so far beyond anything I've ever experienced anywhere else, right? In fact, it's so much that the Africans are now sending missionaries to the United States <laughs> because we need to know Jesus, right? So how do you, how do you bridge a class, class gap? I think empathy. It's a recognition that, you know what, we may not come from the same place. We may not have the same background, we're not at the same economic level, but we all need the same things. We all need basic necessities. We all need to be taken care of. We all need Jesus. How do you bridge a culture? That one's simple. Education, right? You think of it like a missionary, okay? It used to be that you could assume your neighbor was a Christian. That day is long gone, friends. (laughs) Most of your neighbors do not know Jesus, or at least not the Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus who says, come and follow me, right? A lot of of your neighbors who do know Jesus or say they know Jesus, they know Jesus as I've said the right prayer, so I've got my ticket to heaven. But you won't find that in the Gospels. You don't find Jesus saying that. So you educate yourself like a missionary. You learn the culture, right? I'm still learning. We're always learning. When it comes to religion, what I find works best is connection connection. What what about our religions is the same? What is it that brings us together? What shared goals do we have, right? Because even people who don't believe in any sort of God or follow any sort of religion, even those people believe that the homeless should have a house. Even those people believe that those who are hungry should have food on their plates. Right? There are things that we share across religious spectrums, no matter what we believe or if we believe there are shared values that we have. So what connects us? What things do we share? And then finally, when it comes to language, I think humility is the right word. Because if you've ever tried to learn another language, it is a humbling experience, friends. It is humbling, right? Uh, One of my best examples, uh, a couple years ago when I was in Uganda, uh, they, they're English in Uganda. English is their national language, but they speak Luganda and Lusoga, a couple of uh, more tribal languages. And, uh, but they're very British in the way that they speak, because they were a British colony up and through like 1968. So they have a very British way of speaking and saying things. So our driver on most of our trips is a guy named Herbert, but they call him Hubbut right? Because they don't pronounce their R's nearly as harshly as we do, and they really like to make fun of us for that, right? It's like a running joke now. They say, I ask them, what, what driver did you hire? And they go, Herbert. They just make fun of us, right? So it's funny. So it's a humbling experience to learn a second language, to, to learn a language that people are speaking. And, uh, and the great part is when you come into a language learning with humility, people have a lot more grace, Right? They're a lot more graceful if you don't come in thinking you got it all figured out. And so, so we bridge our gap. We build this bridge so that our friends and our family who, who, are, who are on this side of it can come. <laughs> because Christianity and following Jesus, it's not, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport, right? Which means that if your neighbor is not finishing with you, you aren't finished, <laughs> right? If you're here and your neighbor isn't yet, it's not over. We're losing. <laughs> and so what we do is we build the bridge. Now, the great part is many of the people in your life, this bridge isn't nearly as long. The, the gap isn't nearly as long, right? Because a lot of us tend to, to stick within our circles, right? So a lot of the people in your lives, they speak the same language, They're from a similar culture, a similar class, right? There's less jumps to make, but there are still bridges that need to be built. Now, the problem that comes up in this is very simple. What we do in the church is we stand on this side and we say, well, I made it. Why can't you make it? (laughs) I've made it here. You should meet me here. And, And within the church, all these things apply, right? If you don't think the church has its own language, you have not been around long, right? Once a month, we drink a guy's blood. I mean, come on, right? We have a language that is weird. We have a language that has to be bridged, right? We drink blood and eat a guy's body. It's kind of weird if you don't know what it is, right? Sarah knows. (laughs) So, so, here's why I say this. Jesus, in today's story, when he heals this guy, he creates a bridge. He puts another, another board, another plank on the bridge. And, and the neighbors, the religious people, the guy's parents, everybody hears the good news. Because Jesus built a bridge across which they could get. Because when a guy gets healed, that's something everybody can get behind. Right? When somebody finds new life, that's something everyone can get behind. It's something that nobody's going to deny or hate. So we have to ask ourselves, what things are we doing in our community to build the bridge? What are we as a church doing in the community to build a bridge? Now, there are things we are already doing, right? We watched a whole video about willing hands. That's a bridge thing, right? We're showing people, look, we do care to have a relationship with you. We do care to take care of you, right? We want you to know that you are loved. That the church is here for you when you need us, right? It's a bridge. But there are so many things, so many things that you and I are capable of, of putting another plank on the bridge, continuing to bridge the gap. So we have to ask ourselves this morning, am I helping to build the bridge or am I the one standing over here saying, well, why don't you do it, right? Somebody else can do that. Somebody else can go reach the lost. Somebody else can go take care of the poor. Somebody else can, can, can reach that culture that I don't understand. Let them do it, right? That's not what Jesus does. In today's story, Jesus went straight to the man, straight to him, and he healed him. He built a bridge. So what bridges are we building? Or maybe even better yet, are we building them? (laughs) Are we building bridges for the people in our lives? Because I'll tell you, some of the hardest people to reach in your life are going to be the people closest to you. Because the people closest to you know what you're like when your guard is down. (laughs) Right? They know that when it comes to politics, you're kind of a jerk. They know that when it comes to culture, you just spend a bunch of time mocking the things they love, right? They know that, which is why that inner circle, your inner circle, your, your friends and your family, your closest to you. That's why it can be so hard is because when you go to build a bridge there, the bridge has to start with saying, look, this bridge I built before, I need to burn that one down and start over (laughs) because it was built on things it shouldn't have been. So where are you building bridges? What things are you doing to help get across the things that make us different? What are we doing? now? normally I'd give you an answer, right? I'm going to say, well, you could do this or this or this, but here's the thing. You know your life. You know it a whole lot better than I do. You know where you're at. So I've really got, I've got two challenges for you this week, which normally I don't do, right? I leave you with one because I think one's enough, but I'm going to give you two just because I think some of you are different places. Okay. The first one is this. If you're, if you're already on this side and you're like, look, I know Jesus, somebody built the bridge for me and I made it here. Right. Then your job this week, your, your challenge is to figure out how can I build the bridge? Right. How can I show humility when I'm, when I'm meeting with teenagers that I don't understand? How can I connect with people who don't believe anything? How can I educate myself on cultures that I don't get? How do I show empathy for those who haven't had the same life I've had, right? Build the bridge, okay? Figure out what plank it is you need to put in next. But the other thing is that if you're on the other side, right? If you're like, look, I'm searching. I'm, I'm looking for something, right? I want you to know this morning that Jesus, Jesus does all of these things. His people may not be very good at it. We're learning, but we're not very good at it. But Jesus, Jesus does all of these things. Jesus is perfect at meeting you right where you are. As Sarah put it this morning with the children's message, "Come as you are, right? Jesus doesn't ask anything of you. He's not asking you to cross the bridge, right? Jesus is building the bridge so that he can walk across it and find you over here and take you by the hand and help you get to where you need to be. That's what Jesus does. So I'm not asking you this morning, right? If you're like, look, I'm still looking, I'm not sure about this whole thing, I'm not asking you to cross any bridges. All I'm saying is that Jesus, Jesus will do it if you ask. Jesus will do it. Let me pray. God, we're thankful that you crossed the bridge for us. That when we were lost, when we were seeking, when we were not sure what came next, God, you did. You knew exactly what to do. And so we're thankful that you built the bridge to come and seek us out. We're thankful this morning, Lord, that you continue to seek us out. Because as much as we want to think that we get to the one side of the bridge and we stay there forever, God, we continue to wander even over there. So help us, Lord. Help us to build bridges, so that others would know you. Help us to live with humility and connection, education and empathy, kingdom, awareness, and relationship. Lord, help us to live a life that creates bridges for those around us, so that not just us, but everyone that we meet or know would come to know you as well. So help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.